0: thetruths.com with your host DJ Roman.
1: Hey, welcome to the program everybody. You just stepped inside of Psychotic Bump School, the place where education and entertainment meet at the intersection of funk and soul. My name is DJ Roman I want to welcome you to another exciting edition of Psychotic Bump School. So ladies and gentlemen, this time (laughs) oh we have an amazing show we have a lot going on and uh, we're going to be talking to people for this episode all across the country and uh, covering all types of realms so uh, check this out Uh, what does real leadership look like we got a lot going on in this country we're still having a debate about reopening the country and some regions of the country are beginning to do so and how does a leader handle a tragedy how do they do it across the border? Well, we have several guests here helping us to have that conversation. And what about all the nice little local music programs that we've been seeing on Instagram Live and on television as far as tributes? Well, to help me have all those conversations tonight, check out this lineup we have, ladies and gentlemen. We have Michael Black chiming in from the wonderful state of Nevada. He's gonna be breaking down what it's like to be a casino worker facing the prospect of returning to work in the great city of Las Vegas, Nevada. Across the border in Canada, we have the amazing author, Tamara Harrison, okay? is gonna be joining us. And she was here before. She was a part of a collective of artists who uh, contributed to a compilation called Where's My Tiara? And she's back to share with us what it's like to be in a country that is facing the prospect of uh, tamping down on its gun control measures, given the recent tragedy that occurred in the country of Canada. A mass shooting, that's very rare. And we have Philip M. coming by tonight. This guy, man, this guy's got to be the number one Prince fan I've ever met. Oh, my goodness. We're going to be breaking down that recent Grammys tribute to the late and great Prince Rogers Nelson. And from all the way across the world in the beautiful country of Ghana, I'm proud to welcome back the good brother, Mr. Rocky Dauni. Rocky Dauni is going to be helping us pay tribute to one of our fallen legends in the world of music, drummer Tony Allen. And I'm happy to say that the good brother Rocky Dauni is going to be joining us to pay a very, very special tribute to him. So that's our lineup. So you might want to call your friends and family to the radio or the computer because we are about to set it off. So this is KCWG, My name is DJ Rome. Welcome. <music> that you do with possible what you going do
2: today just say hey i want to get this if it's say, awesome. what you gonna do today just say hey i want to get paid. hey hey add it pay that hey hey we, pay. hey, we dedicate this to these people i hitting rain what up it's reality, never front on a click that you can't evaluate, see I got things out here I need to situate, I got a fresh ass car with some gloss paint, people walking down the street their they feasting, I got accountants out here having big things, as I sit into the crib with the sachet, shake, in my room with the shark with the big tank, don't get mad cause I'm doing things you just can't, it's can't. Hey, 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 what you say, get this money, if this say. My man, you need to get back like the rebate And biddies need to step up like the home plate My man, now what you know about the Great Lakes We contemplate on getting money like the sweepstakes Sipping dark grapes, party in the dark shade You see your d- cold chillin' like a ballet. Ma, and biddies ride like a that Money maker, the d- rico suave Hey, radio play the ass like arcades. Every day the holidays and they stay paid. Celebrate the holidays with the money. Ain't about the pay so can stay your way. Hey, 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 what you say? Get this money. If this say,
1: what you gonna do today? Just say, hey, I wanna get paid. hey. Yes, we are back. KCWG, the truth.com. The name of this program is Psychotic Bump School. My name is DJ Rome. And as you all know, we have been following this pandemic and the sheltering in that's happened all across the country. And the prospect of reopening has created some very, very fierce debates across our political cycles, state by state, Uh, Local governments have been taxed with having to determine when it's appropriate to open, given that they're receiving very, very mixed messaging from this administration. And one state that is certainly not left out of that discussion is Las Vegas, Nevada the city of Las Vegas, that is. So I wanted to get some local perspectives from there because you know what kind of a tourist trap Las Vegas is. So uh, we have a resident from Las Vegas on the line. He's actually a very good friend of mine from back in the day. So ladies and gentlemen, please welcome for the very first time to Psychotic Bump School, the good brother, Mr. Michael Black. Mr. Black, are you there? What up, what up? What up, what up, Maine? How's it going out there in the uh, LV, my brother?
3: Pretty good, pretty good.
1: Yeah. All right, man. Well, I'll I be following these news stories, man. And uh, I know you've been out there for a good number of years now. So uh, what can you tell us about uh, what's happening on the ground floor level about the Las Vegas employees, no matter what industry they're in, and their eagerness of going back to work? What are your thoughts on that? What's the vibe around there?
3: Well, it seems like from the people that I talk to, like my family and friends and uh, former co-workers, all my Las Vegas friends on Facebook. What it seems to me is that uh, none of us are really ready to go back. Uh, of course, you got to realize with the Vegas economy, we get people from all over the country and all over the world. So this could be a potential petri dish. So yeah, we want to see uh, some changes before we want to, you know, get back in our environment,
1: Absolutely. especially
3: like in the casinos.
1: Hmm. Well, that's good to know. So, yeah, tell us what you do out there in Las Vegas, my
3: brother. Is it, it do
1: you? You work in the casinos?
3: Yeah, I'm a, a poker room supervisor. So basically, I'm like a pit boss, but in the poker rooms.
1: Okay. Okay. So you see firsthand how important the uh, the industry is, especially the the economy and the revenue that's generated out of Las Vegas. I mean, it's a no-brainer. We all know how important it is for all of us to reopen the economy, but based on what you're saying, uh, people don't wanna do that at the possible expense of risking people's health and possibly even their lives, right?
3: Right, and it seems like that if we open too soon, all it's gonna do is prolong this whole situation and it'll take even longer. Of course, we'll lose more lives, more people get sick, but then it'll take even longer to get back to where we need to be.
1: Well, how do you account? See, that makes sense to me. I mean, I'm in California where you used to be. That makes sense to us out here. Some of us anyway, they're protesting out here too, bro. But I I had the chance to see your mayor out there, uh, Carolyn Goodman, I guess her name is. And uh, Mm -hmm. she said that they're willing to be the experimental case or something. I I can't even remember what she said, but of course she was overruled by your governor. But are you in any walk of life out there encountering people who share her sentiment that we need to reopen
3: Las Vegas right now? I have not heard that sentiment from anyone. I mean, of course, uh, most of us want to get back to work, but you know, watching uh, the mayor on the news, of course, she's been blowing up on on social media uh, and she seemed out of sorts to me, like uh, I don't know if she seemed medicated or something, but. Uh, yeah, no one that I know of, including the governor, share her sentiments.
1: Oh man. So it just proves once again that elections do matter. I mean, we gotta be careful who we're putting into office here. I think she's an independent and so it that that, that kinda speaks for itself. You 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 kinda never really can tell where they're coming from, although they do tend to lend or lean Republican. But um, how have people like you been able to uh, stay afloat? I know there's been some uh, stimulus checks that have been promised. Some people across the country have been starting to get them, but uh, the sustainability of staying away from work uh, and still be able to maintain some subsistence of living. uh, Where would you say your optimism is right now in terms of being able to hold on until this issue is somewhat resolved a little bit more?
3: Well, Somewhat, uh, I don't know if I'll say so fortunate, but you know, even if things don't work out as far as you know, stimulus and uh, unemployment for someone like myself, and, and I'm having trouble with the whole unemployment process. But I, a couple of years ago, got on some of the gig apps, Lyft, DoorDash, Pub, things like that. And of course, right now, those people are very essential because you know, a lot of people stay at home and ordering. So mm. True. I can always do DoorDash Door and, you know, I can make as much as I need to make and I can cash out at any time. So mm. I'm not, you know, I'm not in a really bad position because I can still earn.
1: Okay. Okay. That's what's up. Because I guess people are going to have to figure it out. I mean, uh, how many years did you spend, like, because I, if I can recall, you actually used to be an actual dealer. Didn't you do you know, work the poker tables and everything. And, and I do. Okay, so for somebody who may not have, you know, the the very the versatility that you do to get up and make something else happen, even if the primary thing uh, is not working, uh, what would you guess is the that same level of uh, versatility and adaptability that other casino workers have? Do you think everybody is as resilient as you to 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 get up and make something else happen during this time?
3: I uh, it seems that most of us have a single income, um, and that's not like a criticism or anything, but that's just how we were raised. Yep. So, for the most part, we have our jobs, and that's our income. So, mm. most of these people out here, I think, are relying on their stimulus checks, and unemployment, and I, I hope that everyone can, can get those. And the fact that you can't really be evicted right now. You know, oh, okay. It's a pretty big deal. It's a very big deal. I just
1: happen to know that you're a very creative brother in your own right. Uh, what opportunities have been afforded to you in terms of uh, creativity?
3: Well, lately I've been doing a lot of hours DoorDash, but I have been um, downloading some new software and I've been watching a lot of uh YouTube videos that pertain to music creation.
0: Well, mm-hmm. so what I want
3: to do is there's the, there's one more piece of software I want to get and then I want to get deep, deeper into what I do, you know, as a hobby is music creation. Yeah. So that's what I'm one thing I'm planning to do more And then I want to have some tracks mixed and completed. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, you're a very very talented brother, man. I've heard some of your stuff, man. You can get it done. And uh, you come from a very Mm -hmm. talented family. Your brother, good friend T. Black, is also an extreme talent in his own right. Well, uh, good brother, uh, make me some beats. Can you do that? (laughs)
3: for sure for sure
1: yeah i'd love to hear some stuff that you come up with during this time and uh thank you for joining us man it's like i I haven't had a chance to rap at you in a while but i've been wanting to find out what's happening down on the ground over there so uh continued success uh thank you for helping me to keep my head up and uh send my love to you and yours okay
3: definitely man it's good talking to you
0: this is Canadian fiction writer Tamara Harrison, and you're listening to Psychotic Bump School with your host, DJ Rome, on KCWG, the the best internet radio station on the planet.
1: KCWG, the program is called Psychotic Bump School. I'm DJ Rome, and this next guest has been here before. She was... Here previously as part of an amazing panel of female authors, the project was called Where's My Tiara? And she wrote a chapter for that amazing anthology. And she's back here right now from Canada to talk to us about some of the recent occurrences there, particularly how the pandemic is playing out there. And sadly, uh, I want to get her thoughts on the, uh, the shooting that is uh, s- somewhat of a very, very rare occurrence for that part of the world. So, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome back to Psychotic Bump School, author Tamara Harrison. Ms. Harrison, are you there?
0: Hi there, Romy. How are you doing?
1: Doing well. So, it's been a while. I think it's been well over a year since you were last with us. Uh, I'm sure you've seen on the news, even though you're in uh, Canada, how this pandemic has played out in uh, stateside. So, what's it looking like there where you are?
0: Uh, so things are fairly similar here in Canada to the U.S. Um, I follow the news down there as well as here. And uh, basically our large population centers have had some high numbers of infections and deaths. Our smaller uh provinces and smaller population centers haven't seen as much um, in terms of infection rates, hospitalization.
1: hospitalizations. Out there in the wake of this uh, national crisis with this uh, shooting where so many people um, unfortunately uh, met with fatality.
0: Yeah, so this shooting was on the weekend, last weekend in Nova Scotia, which is one of our maritime provinces, so basically a very large Port Centre in Canada on the Atlantic coast. And um, it was shocking. The last uh, shooting like this we had in Canada was, I want to say... Thirty years ago, where fourteen mm-hmm. uh, women were killed in a um, in a college in a polytechnic institution. Mm-hmm. Um, so this one um, was a big shock and and sent um, some really uh, big waves across Canada because we just don't see this kind of thing happening very much. Yeah. Um, this individual had a plan. He had a list. He uh, dressed up in a police uniform and put police markings on a vehicle to make it look like he was a police officer mm. so um, sadly um, you know had a really good plan to execute his his uh, his terrible intentions and uh, at last count, I think uh, there were nineteen dead as of today is what I heard on the news wow
1: that's really sad um, who were the, who were his targets for this one?
0: Um, It sounds like, of course, we're at the stage now just about four days in where there's a lot of conflicting stories in the media, Mm. but it's sounding like he had a hit list. There may have been a um, failed relationship that led to some of the people on his list. Mm. Uh, But basically, he went from house to house. And what we're hearing now is not only did he shoot people, but also he burned down at least one house and maybe more. So hmm. it's, a, it's a complex and crazy story as as it's unfolding.
1: Yeah, very disturbing. I'm really sorry to hear that. And we're in some really strange days. And yes. uh, I'm just happy that you seem to have a premiere there or a PM. Um, in Trudeau where he seems to be proactive. What's your sense of how people feel about how he's handling this? You know, something like this makes news across the world. Uh, How well do you think he's handling it?
0: I think he's really, um, I think he's really, sorry, I'm grasping for words here. Um, He's really shining in this difficult time. I mean, there are many criticisms that have been made of him uh, in the past. He is a very good uh, spokesperson, though. He comes across as very genuine, very heartfelt. Uh, They've done a very good job of modeling social distancing. So his wife was diagnosed uh, positive with the COVID, I want to say, three weeks ago.
1: yeah, that's right.
0: He's been talking to reporters from the front step of their home, uh, keeping a social distance with reporters, showing that visual of him. Alone on the front step with a microphone, and uh, I think that kind of modeling behavior where he's showing people what he's doing as well as asking them to do it as well has been very effective and uh, like I said, I think there's been a real spirit of cooperation in Canada in as much as there's still dialogue to be had and and debate I feel is necessary about the measures that are being put in place and Uh, whether they're appropriate, whether they need to change, keeping up with uh, the scientific evidence as it emerges, because of course, all of the scientific evidence on this particular contagion is new. Um, Mm -hmm. So I think all of those things together, Canada has been handling very well, and and I think it's playing very well on the world stage, it appears.
1: Absolutely, sure is. So I'll make you a deal, um, just for a little while, even if it's just for, say, the next 11 months or so, can you mind switching your guy for our guy and you no know,
0: i've uh, I've had that offer many times. I actually right after the election, I think it was right after the election in two thousand and was it two thousand and sixteen? I had a couple of uh, marriage proposals from my friends in the us.
4: Wow. <laughs> they were
0: they were ready to just come up here and become Canadians. so um, ca- Canada's a good place to be right now. it's the okay. world is a scary place right now, but I think Canada is handling it as well as as well as well
1: any. Oh, absolutely, our little dog here would tend to agree. Uh, leadership matters, and I'm proud to say also, yes. Tamara, we have some pretty good leadership here in California where I am. You do. So we're yes. very fortunate as well. I've also been talking to a lot of other artists in addition to you. Uh, during this pandemic, I would say perhaps, well, as a work of fiction, you, you've done some fiction work, but you, you're an artist, and so it's not shocking that the, the times or the, the occurrences, the sign of the times, if you will, uh, they have an impact on people who are natural creatives. Uh, in what ways have you been impacted or inspired to create during the time of this pandemic? And uh, can you share with us a little bit the ways in which it might be influencing your writing? What can you tell us about that?
0: So I started, I have a number of novels in progress, none of which are done. But one of them that I'm quite excited about is uh, one I started about three years ago. And it's a dystopia about uh contagion or a pandemic that hits much harder than this one, knock on wood. and uh, Can you kills. define
1: what a dystopia is for us? What is a yeah. dystopia?
0: so a dystopia is a it's a literary genre where um a writer basically makes up an entire society or a world that shares some features with our world Uh, but has a number of distinguishing features that are very different. So often they're set in the future. They might be set in a different, um, you know, galaxy or universe, or they might be set with, you know, different technologies or with magic. Something is significantly different than the world that we live in, which gives us an ability or which gives the reader an ability uh, to read the story and and, uh, relate to it while not relating to it, Um, so closely that it's terrifying because often dystopias are scary or terrifying because what they're doing is taking society and taking an aspect of it um, and making it just completely broken. So whether it's the Mm. political system or uh, the social system, um, prejudices, um, authoritarian, uh, militaristic type control of the people things like that so mm. you look at a book like uh 1984 or yes. even lord of the flies i consider a dystopia even though it's a slightly different um genre mm. uh the handmaid's tale which of course has been um much in the in the media in the past few years because it was made into a a really excellent mini series
1: oh okay Okay. So it's
0: a genre that's always really um, appealed to me because I think we can learn a lot from fiction by looking at uh, the made up, the fictional aspects of it, but comparing it and and interpreting it in the context of our own world, right. um, which is why the idea of a contagion that uh, basically kills uh, the vast majority of the human population is something I started writing up about a few years ago um, and then stalled, as I think sometimes these works do because I was still waiting for some inspiration on certain aspects of it. I hadn't decided quite what the contagion was gonna be. Um, I have a sense of where the world goes and and what happens in this new world with only 5% of the population. Uh, But the thing that really um, struck me, and I actually went back and started working on it again in the past couple of weeks, because one of the um, plot lines involves uh, individuals here in North America and and following their lives, but also paralleling uh, the lives of a couple of young Chinese immigrants to Italy, Uh, because the contagion in in my fictional story uh, will arise as a result of the manufacture of certain consumer goods in Italy. Um, and I got the idea for it when I was reading an article about a number of Chinese fashion houses. So sort of the higher fashion, um, you know, handbags, um, high end shoes, uh, couture clothing, that kind of thing, um, have opened uh, plants or factories, at, at least the finishing uh Uh, level of of their goods in Italy. Uh, So there is a large uh, body of Chinese immigrants living in Italy, working in these factories and producing these goods with the very coveted made in Italy label on it. Because if a certain percentage of the production goes on in Italy, they can say that it's made in Italy. Uh, So without commenting on um, what I think of... (laughs) Uh, global commerce and how they can play these games Uh, what I was interested in was the social conditions of the people these uh, Chinese immigrants in Italy probably you know fish out of water in in various ways while they're really just trying to make a living and have a have a good life just like all of the rest of us are trying to do so the story uh, starts with a couple of uh, individuals in Italy as they're working in uh fairly tough conditions in these in these factories trying to finish some high-end handbags and uh the story will uh emerge from that uh that prologue uh
1: from a true artist ladies and gentlemen that's tamara harrison she's in uh canada and uh whenever you have that dystopia project ready you're welcome to come back here and share the details of it right here on psychotic bump school would that be okay
0: I would love to do that. That uh, will will make that added motivation for me to get it done. There you go. No pressure, me.
1: no pressure, but I'm <laughs> just saying if you want to share when it's ready, you you know how to reach me. So
0: Absolutely. I'm just that would be great.
1: Out. Thank you so much. Stay safe out there. We're we're always thinking about you up there. So uh continued creativity during this time and uh, continued blessings and safety, okay?
0: You too. Thank you so much.
1: All right. This is KCWG, the program is called Psychotic Bump School. I'm DJ Rome. That was the incomparable artist and author, Tamara Harrison. Stay tuned for more, y'all. We'll be right back after this.
2: You know, he said, yo, I I chose, I chose the positive. So I didn't do it. But every youth is not going to take that route. I know I come from the projects. Most folks will close their eyes so that they can hide from the world. Love is us strength to fight and live on in spite of the word. Let me find the words to inscribe on the subject of unjustified crime done by the court of law. Killing me to see the greatest thinkers high in bars for their thoughts cause they ought to be free. Enough to walk, were they pleased with a pocket or a purse with some keys on a ring that can lock up a home or their preference? 35 years locked down for a case with no evidence. So I ain't really thrilled that we got a black president. Fools walk around like a suit and tie, bros heaven sent. America's a corporation, president don't call the shots. He only one slot at a table that we not ever gonna get an invitation to attend. No, we not. Guess you raw enough to send a drone to get a child shot. Folks will close their eyes
4: so that they can hide
2: from the world Love gives us strength to fight and live on in spite of the world. cry go unheard it's fashion week so we flipping the bird to the meek and call them weak earn your key doggy dog how they even come up with the stuff how they manage to get rid of the guilty of love we must rise up bring fire to the unjust mumia debbie janine and phil Africa. only a few of the many locked down because they love what we doing if Mutula was free rap would be crack free, my country tis a thee, Imprisoning my kind at a sad rate, a fast rate, a plantation state is how it all began. So you know from that motto he couldn't stray. Craving a lifestyle, enslaving the black child. Get the hell on earth that you bring back to Lucifer and leave this planet free and clean of your nuisances. You were bad influence, original gangster, roll up in the slave ship and dropped his anchor down. You got prisons in cahoots with the bankers now And the music industry got diversified stock. No consequence to them if they get a child shot Most
4: folks were called their eyes So
2: that they can hide the from the world Never close your eyes How the strength to fight Life is a to fight oh. And live on in spite of
5: Tone music and you're listening to psychotic Bum school with your host dj rome on kcwg the truth.com the best internet radio station on the planet
1: The name of this program is Psychotic Bump School, I'm DJ Rome, and we're just having some fun with this segment. And uh, speaking of fun, this this next guest right here is the picture of consummate energy and I've never met anyone like him. He has such infectious energy. You will feel it through your airwaves, ladies and gentlemen. He's been here before. He was actually one of the very first guests we ever had on this show. Almost three years ago, he just reminded me, so it's kind of hard to believe so much time has gone by, but this guy has a personality that is absolutely timeless. So, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome back to Psychotic Bump School our good brother, Mr. Philip Mbuido. Mr. Mbuido, are you I'm there?
5: Yes, I am. Hello, hello, and you are too kind, Rome. That introduction was just too much. I'm just <laughs> thankful to be here. You know that. I've known yes. you for a while, and I'm just happy to be here.
1: <laughs> indeed, indeed. Happy to have you back, man. We are Thank sheltered you. in place with this pandemic, but yet the show goes on and on and on. So how have you and your family been doing with this?
5: We've been doing well. I, I was looking, thinking about it. We're in our fifth week of uh, you know being self-quarantined. Um, with uh, our kids, uh, two of them in college, are back at home, so we got three boys at home schooling here at the house. I've had to adjust. Now we got you know five bodies in the house during the midday, and, wow. and we're all. I've been very mindful to give them space because they got to do their thing, and
4: right.
1: I got to
5: do my thing. So yes, yeah, I work from home. So it's all it's all been good. I mean so far so good I can honestly say so
1: far so good oh it brings us together if nothing else I'm glad everybody's told exactly. me I'm wholesome. you know what I'm saying yes yes so uh, I wanted definitely. to bring you on man because you like I said at the top man you are the go-to guy for um, <laughs> just palpable infectious energy we had something happen recently with this uh tribute to Prince a Grammy tribute to Prince yes, he yes. is certainly in the top two of my favorite artists, if not the <laughs> one favorite artist. And I know he's somewhere close to the top of yours. And I'm being facetious when I say that. I know he's your number one. So I yes, couldn't sir. think of anyone better to talk to about this most recent tribute to our dearly departed Prince Rogers Nelson. Believe it or not, we celebrated, if that's a term, the fourth year of his passing, man. It's already been four years since we've not had Prince in this earthly mortal realm. It's crazy but we had some performers that were uh, celebrating his music, his life and career. Good brother Philip and Buido as the eternal Prince Rogers Nelson fan. What were your impressions of the Grammy's tribute to Prince?
5: To start off, I'm so glad that the Grammy's decided to do a tribute for him. Granted, it was four years ago since he passed, but like you said, I do use the word celebration because Every year on his birthday as well as his anniversary date of his passing, we have to celebrate him in my opinion, he like you know he is the greatest yes. uh and for the for the people and I say this general public who were not aware of his genius status while he was alive, now they are feeling him I mean, I, and so so to me, I'm glad that the Grammys did this because it continues to show these young kids in this new generation musicianship. That's what he was about. There's a reason why her or or, uh, Alicia Keys or Common uh, uh, look up to him. Usher, doing his little performance. uh, It shows you that the current artists of today know what he was about. And it's great that in my opinion, they can continue his musical legacy as we continue without him. We've got his music. So I'm happy that they did that. Yeah. Um, um, overall, I thought the show was good. But there are things, you know, that I'd done, I would have done
1: differently. But mm-hmm.
5: overall, I thought it was a good showcase to continue uh, um, showcasing him and yes. his music and the, his artistry.
1: Absolutely. I, for one, I want to hear about some of the areas that you would have liked to have seen. Because I was reading our mutual friend's post, uh, The Good Brother Ace Sky Galloway.
4: And yes, he sir. Pointed, yes, sir. pointed
1: out some nice things. And uh, I want to also, well, okay, I'll, I'll just ask you about the glaring omission for me uh, was when Morris Day, well, it was the time. I almost said Morris Day in the time because oh. on guitar was um, Tori Ruffin instead of exactly. original member Jesse Johnson. So that was a, for me, exactly. that was a big omission. Um,
5: agreed, agreed, agreed.
1: You know what I'm saying? So yes,
5: I, yes, yes, yes. Right i with you. I,
1: I love right the time, there. but without Jesse Johnson, it just feels different. Uh, what were some of the things that kind of stood out for you? If you were producing that show, how would you have done it uh, compared to how it was actually presented?
5: Okay, I, I would have, and, and I agree with some of the things that the, our, our brother A. Scott Galloway mentioned. Um, yeah. But first off, I agree with you. Jesse, without Jesse, that's not the time. And right. from my understanding, from my understanding, because he was not there, that's why they called it Morris Day in the Time. Had he been there, okay. he would have been called The Time. Okay, even though six of the seven originals were there. To me, and, and from what I hear, uh, he's done with The Time, Jesse is, and that's why it, it saddens me if that is the case, we will never see the original seven perform together again. You, may get, six, you may get six or seven, yeah. So uh, that was a glaring omission, omission for me. I agree with Jesse, because I love him and his acts.
4: Yeah. Uh,
5: secondly, secondly, why is it that the Revolution was not more showcased in this show? I do understand, and just like A. Scott Galloway mentioned, they brought uh, Usher's performance in January from the Grammys and put it into the show and it pushed out uh, the Revolution's Mountains uh, performance. Um, and then the only time the Revolution was on was performing background in the Mavis Stables for Purple Rain, other than you know when everybody was on the stage at the end, but I don't count that. So
4: hmm.
5: to me, I would have seen more. I would have liked to have seen more of The Revolution.
4: Oh, yeah. And that's
5: that's just me. That's just me. Now, granted, I understand they hired Sheila to be the musical director. Okay. But I felt like, why was the camera always on her? It seemed like the show, there was a lot on her. I mean, this is about Prince and the artists who are celebrating her, celebrating him. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, she, she just seemed to be a little more Screen time. Then I felt that was needed. That's just me. Not oh, just okay. Me.
1: Wait. Who were you talking about? Who had more screen time? Shili.
5: Sheila, she she Uh huh. Uh
1: huh.
5: Yeah. She was a musical director, but
1: right.
4: You know,
5: with 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 the camera, it just seemed like on every article of she had she had, she had uh, time on the screen. And yeah, I'm like, wait a minute, definitely. wait a minute. What? Well, yeah. You, shouldn't you play background and just make sure everything is straight, right. and good? If they right. show you on occasion, and when you perform, cool. You got your time too. Mm-hmm. But I just felt it was a little more than what was needed, you know. Oh, okay,
4: you know, I, yeah, in my opinion,
1: right? What you you just uh it's breaking news for me because I felt like I had seen that Usher performance before. Did you yes. just say that yeah. they piped that in from a previous Grammy show? yeah lifted yes. that they airlifted yes. that performance yes. to that one. Are
5: you they serious? did. They absolutely did. And and and. and and a Scott Galloway also mentioned that too. Yes, they did oh. airlift that from the January Grammy performance and put it into this special.
1: Oh wow! Okay, now I feel yeah. like I've been yeah. bamboozled a little bit. I exactly.
5: I, I exactly I thought I read his article. Exactly. I
1: didn't. I didn't know that.
5: Yes, that's exactly what happened. Hmm. So, so with that, you know, for the tr- Prince fans who watched the Grammys in January, now we're seeing it again. Now for the. General public who didn't watch the Grammys and this hey perfect Time to watch a Prince special during during the, the the pandemic hey, sit down for two hours hell that what though? that was great you know right. fantastic they had to see Usher perform but us as fans we've already seen it yeah so I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have done that and the fact that they pushed out the Revolution's Mountain uh, performance right to take the place of it see so come
1: on now come on yeah, that's, that's the
5: Revolution. The that's yeah, revolution.
1: It's the revolution. Yeah. And I don't know if you've seen just the revolution. My wife and I went and saw them last year in Berkeley, and they put on an amazing show. You saw it. Oh, 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 my goodness.
4: Wendy. Oh, you remember when gosh.
1: Wendy joined the band when uh, Des Dickerson yes. left the group? Yes. And when she the first group. came yes. on the scene, people were like, oh, she, she's not, she's no Des Dickerson. But yes. Wendy is bad, man. She can oh, no, play yeah. that act. Exactly. You know what I'm saying?
4: Yeah.
5: I, yeah. And, and we have to also know with Prince back then, maybe nobody would believe, but now you understand why he chose this young 20, tw- young 20 something year old to replace yeah. Des, And, 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 and her first performance with the band on, on tape was that performance uh, at First wow. Ave when they were doing those, those songs live for the uh, Purple it. Rain album. Oh,
4: yeah. Wow. And,
5: and, and, and to uh, address your uh, uh, mention, Mm-hmm. You saw the revolution in Berkeley. Me and my wife saw the revolution in L.A. in December with a Scott Galloway and Barry Benson. We had oh, a man. blast.
1: Yeah, they, they put on a great show, man. They put on oh, a great my gosh. show. We,
5: yeah. And ever since the pandemic, I, I joking around said because we haven't been able to go out to see a shows. That was the last live show we saw.
1: And I know, right? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and ironically enough, we're going to be featuring on this show um, a bass player that's working with Brown Mark right now. Uh, So, ladies and gentlemen, stay tuned for that. That's coming up real soon. Uh, The Good Brother's name is The Rugged, so you don't want to miss that. So, yeah, the revolution has really carried the baton of the the Prince and Paisley legacy. And I, too, agree that more screen time for them would have certainly not only been warranted, but needed because... That Agreed. was arguably Agreed. the most creative period in his um, his his arc. You know when he was exactly. really coming up. You know, 1999 came and then he really really hit his stride with Purple Rain, Around the World in the Day, and yes. Parade. That was his most yes. fertile creative period. And those musicians in that band, Dr. Fink, Brown Mark, who else is in that band? Uh, uh, Bobby Bobby Z. Bobby, C, Bobby Z. Yes, that that was the band yes. that that really Agreed. took him over the top.
5: Agreed, agreed. And then, and then, of course, as you know, the album after Parade was his magnum opus, Sign of the Times, uh, and at the time before it was released, the revolution had part of that until he you know, disbanded the revolution and then stripped out their parts to you know, uh, yeah. put out Sign of the Times with the least amount of uh, 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 revolution uh, um, being part of that. Right. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, I totally agree with you. So if that is his most fertile... Period of his music, Oof. why isn't the revolution there? They,
4: they, they, uh, other than
5: other than one, other than the one song,
4: yeah,
5: uh, that, yeah. I just felt no. So that's what I was done. So me and you are right on with the times you situation, and of course with with yeah with 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 uh, uh, revolution lack of screen time, and of course that whole Usher thing, you know, like. Yo. No, That's surprising.
1: <laughs> now I feel, I feel bamboozled, man. I, I didn't yeah, know that. Yeah, but yeah. I was watching it and I was thinking, is this Groundhog Day? I feel like I've never <laughs> done this before. Wow. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah,
5: yeah. Well, yeah, exactly.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, uh, we're joined tonight by the incredible Philip and Buido. Uh, I didn't say at the top, but you're with a record company called 12 Tone Music. And uh, yeah. I would be remiss if I didn't give you a chance to talk about um, other things. I mean, we could talk about Prince all show. You know, we've done it before, <laughs> <if I could. laughs> but um, he's always a part of this show, man. Every show, man. We, we are, we're channeling some version of Prince through song, memory, or spirit. It, it, it's never gonna be uh, absent from this show, but. Talk to us a little bit about what's happening at 12-tone Music, man. What you got going on over there? Oh,
5: great, great. Yeah, 12-tone is a small boutique label that was started by Doug Morris, who is the only male who was ever in charge of all three major record labels, uh, Warner Music Group, uh, uh, Sony BMG, and Universal Music Group. So he decided to start his own label uh, back in uh, 2018, and uh, he brought on uh, Steve Bartles, who used to be head of promotions at Arista, under Clive Davis, and then he became uh, uh, um, uh, president of Island Def Jam before he joined Doug to start this label. Uh, and fortunately for me, a uh, small label, uh, uh, through a friend of a friend, dropped my name, and I interviewed for the job. And now I'm back in my dream job of doing radio promotions for uh, nationally for Rhythm Radio uh, here in the uh, United States. Oh, yeah. man, that yeah. is a um,
1: blessing. Congratulations Yes, it is. that.
5: It truly is. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Yeah, That's so I've been on uh, since last year. Um, some of the artists that we have right now, most people would, would know, would be uh, Anderson Back. Uh, oh, yes. He was a gift uh, from uh, Dr. Dre and Jimmy Iving when the label started uh, in 2018. And right. then um, we also have an artist named, a uh, contemporary Christian artist named Lauren Daigle. She had a song called You Say, and this uh, just went to number one on the AC chart. She's fantastic. So Lauren right. Daigle. And then, of course, yep. Yeah. and then we, of course, we have this uh, uh, Asian collective named 88 Rising, which consists of Rich uh, Bryan, Joji, Nikki, the Higher Brothers, and, and, and others. Okay. Uh, but they're huge because, um, uh, you know, a lot of people uh, are right now, all they think is K-pop, K-pop when it comes to Asian artists.
4: Right. These
5: artists are not, uh, are not K-pop. Uh, yeah. uh, Joji is a, a R&B pop singer. Uh, 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 Nikki is a pop singer. Uh, 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 Rich Bryan is a hip hop uh, rapper. Yeah, Uh, he learned actually. He actually learned his English by watching YouTube and the rap videos. That's what I did. So yeah, rich right. So um, with that, they're doing really well when it comes to streaming, as you know. Streaming is a big thing right now, and because they're based out of uh, uh, out of uh, um, Asia, Mm -hmm. a lot of streaming and and the money they make is coming from there. So, but we are trying to make a name for them here in the states. Anything that we get, fantastic. Oh, by the way, those three artists I just mentioned. Yeah, they were going to be part of Coachella, as well as Lauren Dale. Uh, Think about that. Four of our artists were supposed to be part of Coachella and and, and Anderson Back was there last year. So for hey. being this little label, for being this little label that could, yeah. That's, yeah. I, like, I, like, I love being there and just proving what we have at our little label. So yeah, that's, wow. that's what we're about.
1: That's what you're about. Those are some high yes, acts. Yes. And it sounds like they're yes. all on the move and doing really, really well. Getting some great exposure for some great content as well.
5: Oh, no doubt. Uh, no doubt. No doubt. And, yeah. And then one more artist that we're working currently right now. His name is Ebenezer. Yes. Uh, and he's from the he's from the UK. He's got a song out right now called Flaws and All, which is climbing up the charts. Uh, so uh, we're very happy about that. And, you know, it's all about breaking new, new artists, right? So, so far so good. And I'm very happy. Yep. Yeah, he does yeah. also hip hop as well. So yeah, I mean, I I, I love our future. I need to say, I love our
1: future. You sound like you're right in your element, man. Well, I'm telling you, right. Oh, yeah, they you they got the right me, guy. Bro. Yeah, I do. Bro, yeah. you know me. <laughs> right, man. If they ever needed somebody to be the right guy for this position, they called the right guy in Philip and Buido. So oh, I'm, I, I'm, I'm very gonna tell you, me. man. I'm gonna throw down the gauntlet on the show. If any one of those artists are down to come on this show, man, you know I got a spot for them.
5: So okay, you okay. just Put okay, in the no word.
1: Problem. Put in the nope. call to me. Okay. We gonna make it I happen. will. Yeah, man. Okay. So all right. All right. Watching these right, uh, tributes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, uh, you're welcome back here anytime, man. And uh, alright, <laughs> thank you, thank anytime you. Anytime there's a release coming out, and you know, speaking of Sheila, I think she has a project coming out. She just dropped a single, uh, the the limit. Yeah, Kick. was that limit?
5: Was that Lemon Kick? Kick?
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, okay. it's pretty funky. It's pretty funky. Yeah. So no doubt, we're no gonna doubt. continue to watch the releases and the the. the you know, hopefully the, the, the warring factions between the, the Nelsons, yeah. the, they, they, the yes. they can work it on out. And we're going to continue to celebrate uh, small boutique labels, such as 12 tone music that is doing some amazing, amazing work, bringing forth some artists that otherwise we probably wouldn't hear them about. We love Anderson Bach, yeah. but these other artists you're yeah. talking about deserve some attention as well. So continue success oh, to okay. you, my brother, and uh, you're welcome. I to come back here you. Anytime. Would that be cool with you?
5: Of course. Come on, Rome. Thank you. I appreciate that. Thank you,
1: sir. Indeed. This is KCWGthetruth.com's the program is called Psychotic Bump School. I'm DJ Rome. That was the amazing Philip M. Buido.
6: Stay tuned for more, y'all. We'll be right back after this. Hello, people. This is Rocky Dawuni, and you are listening to the Psychotic Bump School with your host, DJ Rome, on KCWGthetruth.com the best internet radio station on the planet.
1: com name of this program is Psychotic Bum School. My name is DJ Rome, and we have experienced a multitude of losses, ladies and gentlemen, in the year of 2020. The list of celebrity passings already, not even halfway through this year, has been mind-blowing. Uh, some of it attributed to natural causes, some, of course, attributed to this coronavirus we are experiencing. Uh, We will be here all, (laughs) the whole show talking about all the losses, but we're here to focus on one in particular. Uh, We lost the drummer Tony Allen, and Tony Allen was the very architect of what we came to know as Afrobeat music. Uh, He was a stellar, gigantic figure in the culture. Uh, We just lost him not too long ago, and I wanted to pay tribute to him with someone very special who's been here before, the good brother is halfway across the world. Well, no, he's not. He's all the way across the world now. Uh, the brother's been here before. He's a uh, Grammy-nominated uh, artist, celebrated worldwide, Ghanaian superstar. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome back to Psychotic Bump School, my good brother, Mr. Rocky Dauni. Mr. Da'ouni, <laughs> are you there?
6: I am doing good. How are you doing? Man all the way across <laughs> the planet man it's so good to hear voice. yes parents. yes yes you know oh, God, the, the magic of communication thing. and the magic of radio you know yeah, be able to share the same space at the same time you know exactly. it's uh it's a it's a beautiful to me especially in these times too when you uh, know human human connection is becoming much more important because we cannot have it you know and uh okay. because of the prevailing circumstance you know so the opportunity to be able to speak and, you know, share experiences and communicate and, um, you know, keep keep our 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 pulse on what makes us tick, you know, what makes us human, you know. So, Absolutely. it's an honor to be back again on your show.
1: Oh man, it's always an honor to have you, and I know that uh, you are Ghanaian by birth, and so yeah. home is home for you. So I'm really glad that despite you being at a distance from your immediate loved ones. You got plenty of other additional immediate loved ones that you're very close to as you're there right now. So it, it's, yes. uh, it's certainly a give and take, uh, but yeah, like you said, the, the powers of technology and radio, it feels like we're in the same room right now, sharing the same exact space and yes. having an ability to talk about something really important. I wanna talk to you about how your country is responding to this virus. But I first want to talk to you about Tony Allen. I happen to know just by some of of the photos I've seen online of you, that you have actually at least met him. And I want to find out uh, what he meant to you. Can you talk to us a little bit about uh, what you know about the life of the great drummer from Fela Kuti's band, Tony Allen, who we just lost not too long ago, Mr. Rocky
6: Daoni. Well, you know, um, obviously growing up in Ghana, you know, uh, the music of Fela Kuti was you know, a very, very big part of my, my growth, you know, because you heard it on the radio, you heard it, you know, everywhere. Fela was, you know, a very, shall I say, larger than life persona. And um, I was, I grew up in the military barracks at that time, too. So the Ghanaian soldiers, you know, they had like a love-hate relationship with the music of Fela. First of all, they loved, militant aspect because they always saw themselves as liberators so Mm. we saw that all the political issues were going on in nigeria but the ghanian soldiers were like oh yeah you know fella 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 was talking of nigeria not ghana but then when songs like zombie you know became Mm. more of a mockery of soldiers you know so the ghanian soldiers you know like people used to use if they want to talk Against a soldier that would use the word "Oh nazombi that you know so mm. so there was there was just kind of that love hate relationship, but you know the thing was that that music was powerful that music was african that music um, you know used elements of you know traditional ghanaian high life juju uh mixed it with funk and uh you know really uh combined it to with you know socially relevant messages you know so afrobeat was Uh, shall I say, a phenomenon and something that everybody knew was special. Mm -hmm. But Afrobeat, the the beautiful part of Afrobeat was not the colorful horn sections and also the lyrics, you know, which were all very important. But the groove of Afrobeat was a key, key part of the success of that music. You know, the groove of the music was just... Um, you know, it was something that Africans could relate to because, you know, it, 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 uh, it reflected a lot of our traditional sounds, but there was some freshness about it. And the architects and, you know, one of the main people involved in creating this was obviously Mr. Tony Allen. You know, so at that time, you know, growing up, obviously, I did not know who were the people behind it but you know this music inspired me as an artist uh you know my sound also has a lot of you know influences from the musical felad and then also all our highlight music you know so tony allen became uh you know a hero of mine you know so as my st- my stature also grew and i started traveling around the world i had the opportunity of you know becoming friends with his manager and then also you know, a while ago when I was in France, you know, we had opportunity of, you know, getting to meet, you know, and it was really love at first sight. He's like, you know, one of the most, you know, brotherly down to earth people, mm. you know. I mean, somebody who's been so such a cornerstone of such incredible success, African success story. Yeah. You know, it was it was just, you know, he was just down to earth. So we became, you know, acquaintances and friends and um so many times, you know, I even spoke about, you know, in terms of, you know, working on the projects together. Obviously, uh, that you know that never came to pass, mm-hmm. you know. But um, I saw him over the years several times, and um, you know, we got to speak about music and also Africa. And I feel that Africa has, you know, you know, sometimes the way we look at losses is a little different because we also look at we have the ancestry. Uh, vision that, you know, sometimes when you lose somebody important, you also gain an ancestor, you know, so, you know, now Tony is a venerated ancestor who is going to keep inspiring all of us, you know, and, um, and, you know, till the end of his life, you know, he never really stopped working, he never stopped embracing uh new sounds he never stopped challenging himself you know because Mm. you know when he even did all the uh you know psycho on the bus uh you know projects that was kind of like taking his drums and mixing Mm. with you know dr l and you know electronic music and then his work with you know damon alburn and also flea and Mm -hmm. all these um, you know, musicians who come from different, diverse musical backgrounds, you know, Tony was always searching for the ultimate beast, the ultimate expression of his music. And, you know, he says, you know, when Tony plays on any any, any album or any song, you know, there was that signatory, you know, uh, you know, hi-hats, rim shots. Uh, you know snare sound you know the way that he used his snare the the beat was there but he also used the snare like like a talking drum you know Mm. so he was kind of like he encapsulated so many different dimensions of uh, an African ensemble you know which I think that most people did not really zone in on that aspect but whenever I heard him I heard you know like you know the one that played the badoo, the you know the bass drum you know the person that played the talking drum you know like all these aspects were all represented in his approach to rhythm you know so mm-hmm. i feel that you know he has you know he's he's beyond africa 70 and africa 70s um impact on popular culture he himself also moved into a space where he still created new standards that are going to be studied and, you know, learn. And it's going to be an inspiration for, you know, beat makers and groove makers and musicians for many, many, many years to come. So Mm -hmm. although we've lost, uh, you know, his physical presence, you know, but for us, you know, we, it's not something that, Um, You know, we are looking at it in sadness, you know, I mean, obviously, I know some people are his family and all of that, you know, but, you know, we we just give thanks for that, you know, his life was just so colorful and meaningful and has contributed a lot to the progress of African music uh, in general
1: absolutely oh it's going to be africa for learn for eternity now <laughs> you know what i'm saying <laughs> yes,
2: yes yes this is enjoy on sax and you're listening to psychotic bump school with your host dj rome on kcwg thetruth.com best internet radio on the planet
1: Okay. We're back. KCWG, the this program's called Psychotic Bum School. I'm DJ Rome. And we're joined once again by the good brother, Rocky Dauni, Ghanaian superstar. Uh, we've been paying tribute to the drummer, Tony Allen, and we've just been chopping it up about music and uh, the, the, the enormous contribution that uh, African and Afrobeat music has made to artists across the world. And um, you know, Oh man, uh, uh, I, I don't want to forget to say this, I don't want to take too much time away from you, Rocky, but you remember that album? Um, and I know you do, the, the Red Hot Riot. Oh, yes, um, yes. And they did a remake yeah. of Water No Get No Enemy. And yes, 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 I, I don't, yes, yes. I don't, I, don't, I don't know if Tony played on that, but there was a singer named uh, Reese, who I, I'm pretty sure Ye- you uh, Yes, yes, I know yes.
6: Reese very well, yes, exactly. yes. So she told yes. me, she,
1: she was on the show and she was talking about the fact that when she recorded her part for that session, she didn't record on Water. No, get no enemy, but she was on another Fela Kuti song, and she was just saying when she walked into the studio to record, she was just initially amazed that all the musicians were white, and they're playing <laughs> Afrobeat music, and virtually every musician on every instrument was not, you know, brown skin brothers, you know. Yes. So yes. I think that says it all right there. I, I even in Lamert Park, you know, I've seen. Carrying you walking through Lamert Park here and there, and I would see these drum circles, or I would see an Afrobeat band, and it it would be brothers and sisters
6: of a different Mister. It, it would be it would be a white band, or it be a well. I think I think it's 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 something that happens with a lot of uh, black music, you know, because mm-hmm. the thing is that um, usually you know blacks black music, um, you know, we innovate, we create new sounds. Mm-hmm. And then at some point, we move into new sounds and then we, we to some extent, abandon, you know, that sound. You know, I, I don't say abandon, like we leave it behind, but we move into the new and then we're focused on the new. So mm-hmm. like, you know, sounds like um, Afrobeat, you know, had its moment, its golden moments, you know, in Africa and mm-hmm. also around the world. But then after Fela passed, passed on. There was renewed. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, you know, Fela was still at the later days of, you know, his, you know, where he was still relevant as a touring musician, but you know, he was dealing with, you know, the jailing, being in jail, all of those other stuff that were not music driven, but was just his lifestyle and dealing with the politics, you know. Yeah. And um and and when he passed on, there was renewed interest in the music, not only within um you know, shall I say Nigeria and other parts of Africa. But because they had lived through those moments, it was not something that was new, you know. But then to a lot of college white kids, you know, who were you know discovering this new sound that was all of a sudden, you know, repackaged again and distributed, you know, you know, people were just blown away by, you know, the the, the genius of the work that was involved in what Fela had done, you know, previously and also currently, you know, so it became a music of sorts of even that people studied, you know, like in, you know, Berkeley, I've met, you know, a lot of kids from you know school of Berkeley and they all like Fela fans, you know, and most mm-hmm. of them, they'll start learning from like, let's say the highlight, the traditional, because when you start learning traditional African music from the drums you know, patterns to the various tribal patterns. And then you come into the popular music pattern. And then from the trajectory of African music, from when it mirrored like big band music, and then also it mirrored jazz, you know, and then the disco era, and, like everything that happened in popular culture, African music also kind of reintegrated and reinterpreted it, you know? So you had like all these styles of African music that were evolving, you know, mm-hmm. alongside that, you know? So, I, you know, and then all these uh, bands, I'll see like even high life bands right now, Mm. uh, you know, that are not usually, you don't see Ghanaians playing it, you know, you see, uh, you know, like I'll be in Europe and I'll see like an all white band or, you know, a band from Croatia or a band from, you know, these really interesting places who've just discovered from all these reissues of this record and Mm. are falling in love whilst at the uh traditional homes of these sounds i mean they're still played but it's it, it's it's always been part of the scene so mm. it's not something that people are just like oh wow you know something new you know but it becomes something new in other places and i think that's the beauty of music is that you know it's like water you know it does it's due diligence in the place of inception and creation but then it takes on a whole life of itself and it keeps going and igniting new people and new followers and inspiring new people to interpret and appreciate and i think that's what afrobeat also did you know and then bands like um you know the, because the post fella wave uh, it wasn't a lot of nigerian bands or black bands that were playing afrobeat that became successful. I mean, there was a lot of them, though, but it was mostly a lot of the, um, you know, bands that were kind of cross-cultural, mixed, white, that were now interpreting the music to a new audience, Mm. um, which was younger white college kids who also, you know, who usually, when they champion something, you know, they champion it, you know. So bands like Anti Ballast, you know, all of a sudden became... They're, you know, one of the, you know, touring, you know, the most touring Afrobeat band in the world alongside the the Kuti Sons, you know, Fela and Femi, you -hmm. know. So Mm -hmm. just because also that it became marketable uh, because of the popularity of the reissues and, you know, just like reggae music uh, right now, as you can see, the rise of The white reggae bands, you know, it was started Mm -hmm. in Jamaica and then it moved around. But some of the big reggae bands right now, you know, Revolution and all of that, you know, they're, you know, they're not Jamaicans, you know, but Mm -hmm. are Americans, you know. So just because they're interpreting it now to a whole new generation of, um, you know, white kids who create, who support an industry. And so an industry has been burnt out of this, you know, so. It, it 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 has become viable, like commercially viable again, and uh, because uh, these uh, new actors who are in it are uh, pushing it to new audiences and spreading it far and wide, you know. So, but that's the beauty of music, you know. It's
4: mm-hmm.
6: it's uh, and I think you know all the everybody that creates, you know, you always know that uh, the music itself once is birth you know, it has a whole life of its own and that life you might not be able to even predict where that that life goes. Just like when you have a child, you know, the the person grows and then, you know, has their own mind and become their own person and you turn around and start learning from this whole new uh, expression of life that you were part of, but you're also surprised by, you know, wherever it goes, you know. So I think yeah. it's just... Uh, it is it, just a reflection of you know the the whole you know human experience that we we inspire each other and we are um, you know we're all kind of cut from the same cloth uh despite mm-hmm. the fact that the politics and so many of uh you know the topical expressions of uh society has always pitted people against each other but deeply 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 we are always um You know, working to connect with each other. I think music does a beautiful thing uh, to to express that. And you know, to see white kids and you know, you know, people who were you know playing Afrobeat and playing it with you know such precision Mm -hmm. and uh, you know such love and rediscovering something that you know now makes sense for them in their life. You know, it's just a beautiful thing.
1: It is. I, I just hope the forefathers of getting are getting their just dues. And you know, it's common just about with everything that we create that yes. we create and then we move on and then someone else makes it more popular. Uh it happened to my own father. You know, my father was a singer in his group, the Olympics, uh he wasn't an original singer, but he was he toured with that group for 30 years and they were the first group to record a big global smash record called Good Lovin'. And it wasn't made popular by his group, The Olympics. That's what they were called. But they yeah, the, uh, the Young Rascals, who made it uh, a global smash. Oh, yeah. Good loving, good loving. Yeah. Everybody knows that song. But my father yeah. wrote that song first. But yet, it wasn't popularized and made the global sensation that it became until a white group did it. So yes, it's hard yes, that yes. a Jay-Z in the world of hip hop becomes the one of the more celebrated figures uh, as far as the, the skill set of rap and emceeing itself. But financially, you know, Jay-Z is reaping the financial war, uh, rewards of his gift. So it's hard for me not to hope for the same thing for the Afrobeat four founders. You know, it's nice that so many different people have now come to an appreciation and a discovery of how great this music is. But I hope. That there has been uh, the, the the progenitors of the music, like like you said, Femi Seun. I hope they're reaping the benefits of of you know being the, the ground zero. You know what I'm saying? Yeah,
6: I mean they they are. You know, and then also you know Fela built upon other um, shall I say amazing legends here too who um, inspired him. You know who you know where his you know, Afrobeat was kind of a combination of these, uh, you know, styles too that were here. You know, so the the beautiful thing is that you know, we the the young generation is learning a lot too in terms of the business of the business part. You know, to make sure that they are you know to some extent even a little bit too aggressively where. Mm -hmm. Everybody is just focused on the financial aspect rather than the creative aspect of it, you know, Mm -hmm. but it is just because, uh, disproportionately, uh, many, uh, a legend, you know, even some of our legends here who have created, you know, some of the defining Mm -hmm. music and songs, uh, you know, right now most of them don't even, you know, have a penny, you know, and, uh, you know, are you know, the heydays are gone and they still, we don't have like good uh, systems that are able to collect for them. And then, you know, some of your music too gets licensed in various places, used in various places, but they don't have a means by which they can be able to, uh, you know, benefit directly from it. So it's, it's something, you know, the history of black music is littered with such, um, you know, uh, should I say cultural appropriation Absolutely. and uh, you know theft of um, uh, intellectual property and sound and all of that kind of stuff? Mm-hmm. You know, you know. But I mean, the thing is that for me, it's not even like that. Is not a conversation. The conversation is more about you know how the art itself you know mm-hmm. can 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 move from place to place to place and mm-hmm. inspire other people and other people to feel the opportunity to be able to express it and expressing it, you know, and I think that, um, you know, we will hope that, you know, our, the newer generation learn more and, and some of us too, you know, we become much more savvy enough in terms of being able to control, uh, you know, the, Come on. the masters and also the publishing right. and understanding all these aspects too, that are an integral part, you know, most of, you know, some of the classic old musicians didn't even know about all these aspects. And, you know, they signed off so much stuff that they didn't even understand what they were signing off, you know. So they were taken advantage of, you know. And, um, you know, it's a, it's a sad reality, you know, but it, it is definitely a reality, you know, where, yeah. you know, you know music becomes, is created from a certain place, it becomes popular. And now there's a whole group new group of actors who are reaping the benefits away from the people who created it. Yeah. And they've rebranded, they re-branded it as a new name, but it's the same old rhythm that they learn mm-hmm. from, you know, and, um, yeah. you know. You another, know good we,
1: another good example, because uh, I, I want to talk to you um, about this COVID stuff before we let you go, but Afrofunky also play like drum and bass. And um, I had a sister on here a couple years ago. She's been here recently, too. Uh, and you know her, Aynjoy. Uh, and um, she was talking yeah. because you know, she, she's done some drum and bass music herself. And yes. we we're talking about that on the show, too. It's like the, the creator of drum and bass was a drummer in a gospel group. And the, the first drum and bass song was actually a sample from a, a gospel record called Amen. It was like the classic Amen break. And yeah. You know, sadly, that brother uh, didn't get the credit. I mean, he was shocked that his that little break in that song, the Amen song, uh, went created all the way the genre. Power. Yeah, it created <laughs> genre.
6: It's crazy. Yeah.
1: Oh man. So I I can pick your. Well, look at
6: look, at look at look at hip hop sure. and James Brown. You know. Oh my god. I mean, yeah. I mean, you know, like James Brown. James Brown, literally. I mean, if you're talking of a creator of hip hop, mm-hmm. I would say it's James Brown. You know.
4: Mm-hmm. I mean,
6: because everybody was looking for all those breaks and and his drum pattern was what a there lot you of the makers you think about emulated. This?
1: Exactly. Yeah. So what do you think about this? Because he got paid for his samples. People like um, Jabo Starks, Clyde Stubblefield, yeah. the drummers. I mean, most people were sampling. Yeah, they were sampling James saying, hey, you know, they, they were getting some of that in there for sure. Yeah they were mainly sampling the drums the drummers weren't getting broken off like that at, at, yeah. to the same extent that James I mean for obvious reasons James was the face of that music we all know that but isn't yeah. it interesting that the, the players the musicians the the people that are holding it all together people like Tony Allen Clyde Stubble, yes Fox, yes yes. they're yes. the ones that the people are sampling they they they're looking for those drum breaks you know yeah crazy. yeah it's crazy yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. man. Well, we're talking to Rocky Da'Uni. You, you see how gifted this brother is, man. I, I, I could just talk to you all day. But, uh, ladies and gentlemen, this is KCWG, the truth.com's program's called Psychotic Bump School. I'm DJ Rome. Uh, we're chatting with uh, the incredible, incomparable United Nations Goodwill Ambassador, the good brother, Rocky Da'Uni, who uh, is here to talk to us about the life and times of the great drummer, Tony Allen, And uh, before we let you go, man, we got a few minutes left. Uh, You are all the way across the world in Ghana as we speak. Uh, What can you tell us about what you're seeing in and around the area, people's response to coronavirus, the degree to which people are staying healthy out there and combating the, the ailments of this virus? What can you tell us, good brother?
6: Yeah well you know their thing was that it took everybody by surprise you know just like how the whole world you know happened you know first of all i was um when it started i was actually up in the middle east and um i was on on tour and also part of a, a group of leaders uh, interfaith leaders uh uh, you know, traveling from Jordan to Palestine to uh, Israel, and by then, you know, the you know the the, the initial reports had, you know started about this whole thing that was happening in Wuhan and all of that. So from there, I came to Ghana, and um, you know, first of all, everybody was just you know going about their lives, and then the when the reality started sinking in that this was something that's, um you know first of all everybody became paranoid about people of you know Asians, you know, all the Chinese that were coming in, you know, those um incidences of people, you know, I mean it it, it didn't carry on too far. My incidents of people, you know, China you know, because there's a lot of Chinese here. You know, um, you know, people, market women asking, hey, where are you? Uh hi, Corona, you know. And oh, all of that like gosh. people were playful about it, you know, I mean, it wasn't like in a in a bad way they people they were kind of playful about it, but then people started seeing uh when all their um, our government you know started talking about you know lockdown and all everybody saw the 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 seriousness of what that was this crisis was, you know yeah. but you know the the thing is that we you know, Africans. Our lifestyle is about living together. You know, we we are very tactile people. We touch each other. You know, we hug each other. We greet each other. You know, we live in communities. We live in families. You know, we we have extended families. You know, so so when the whole thing came about social distancing, and uh, you know, it was such a hard thing for the government to be able to implement here. You know, because uh, people were being careful by the same time, you know, people, when they go to their homes, they're just not going to forsake their families. People live together, you know, so the realities were different. And um, and the message, though, you know, got into people became very, very aware. And right now, you know, everywhere, you know, you see people have, you know, uh, people are wearing masks and those masks are actually uh, a whole industry started from all the tailors started using local fabric to create masks. So, you know, people are having like designer looking masks and wearing them. So it's become a whole fashion thing here, you know, and, um, and you know, the, 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 also I, my message, you know, when this whole thing was going on was that being, an ambassador of environment for United Nations here, I've always seen the imbalance in our environment to be one of the key problems that are resulting in new types of viruses uh, that are currently um showing up every time, you know, and and um all these uh destruction of old forests, the depletion of biodiversity. Um the trees that we are um, cutting and not replanting, uh, the destruction of clean water sources, and all of that—you know—which has been going on for a long time—and you know—and obviously climate change, that is a result of all these, by the same time currently impacting the world. I see that that is the root cause of all of this. You know, I mean, corona is one issue that we're dealing with, but beyond corona, we're going to be dealing with other stuff. So how do we change the fundamentals of our, uh, shall I say, engagement with all these new diseases that are coming? If we don't start looking at the root causes of it and start planting trees and start also, you know, if if something is coming from nature, I believe that the solution is from nature. So, You know, in Africa, we've always had um, uh, traditional cures that have been used for, you know, respiratory diseases, boosting of immune systems that are all steep in nature. You know, so I think that a lot of these solutions for, um, you know, these kind of viruses Need to, we need to look into the plant world we need to look into nature we need to look into uh, medicines that boost naturally boost our immune system because mm. it's not a fix we don't wait for the problem to happen to to look for a fix we have to weaponize the body and and put our bodies in a in a pathway that any kind of um, pathogen or virus cannot be able to uh, you know, depress the immunity of our body by making the choices to 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 uh, strengthen our body's immunity to natural sources, you know. So during this time, I was pushing out a big message of uh, people focusing on how instead of sitting down and washing your hands constantly and putting on a mask, that, of course, is great. You know, it's, it's, it's a reaction to the, the 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 state of things right now but what are you doing for the body that is going to be deal with this whole uh problem you need to put the you know start eating right uh you know taking care of your body getting good sleep nutritious food organic food uh making sure that local remedies too you access all these ask a bigger you know uh program of elevating your immune system to be able to uh, engage with this, you know. So that was kind of what I was pushing here. And, you know, it really got a lot of, you know, people like right now, there is uh, Madagascar is one of the countries that literally everybody that suffered from any cases of COVID has been cured full on. Mm. And it was through traditional remedies that uh you know came from madagascar and uh you know the the power the power of neem tree people are finding that a neem plant you know you know has become like a cornerstone for a lot of the treatments that are going on here and also uh you know for uh you know because every country is figuring out ways to really deal with it and i think that when if people can you know take more vitamin C or eat more fruits and, you know, you know, pump their systems with vitamins and, you know, they, they will be able to, in addition to washing their hands and, you know, you know, following all those other protocols, right. you know, I think that that is how most people are now dealing with it. You know, so do they, they? we had a lockdown for a long time and it was recently lifted, but you mm. know, there was initial fear, you know, like prevailing fear, which is there, which for me, I think that the fear has actually become much more potent than the virus. And I always say that the fear is actually the real virus, you know, so you have to be able to, you know, understand that this is, you know, another bump in the road in our human journey, but, you know, life must go on, you know, you just have to focus and Strengthen yourself, and um, and and hopefully we will get to, you know, the other end of this. If people become healthy enough Mm -hmm. that they cannot even be infection is not even, and you know, a thought, you know. And I think that as we can see by the nature of this virus, that most healthy people, you know, it doesn't really even affect them. So we should just focus on, you know, empowering ourselves rather than. You know, thinking that there's always a quick fix, that anytime we have a problem, we can go and we have that quick fix and that quick fix. I think that the, the eternal vaccine is to embrace nature and use nature as a means to uh, strengthen ourselves against all problems that are going to come out of nature. Wow. What was the name of that plant you mentioned a moment ago? For automatic? Uh, neem, neem, neem tree. It's called a neem plant. N-E-E-M. Mm. It, is, it is, I mean, everywhere. It's become like one of the primary, uh, you know, plants that people are using, first of all, as an immune booster. Mm-hmm. And um, also, uh, you know, Everybody, you know, people are using it for steaming and drinking the tea. It's extremely bitter, but this is a tree where it's used heavily also in Ayurveda medicine. So in India, it is one of the, it's a wonder tree in Ayurveda, but it also grows everywhere in, in Africa and it's always been a cornerstone of our traditional medicine. And uh, it is working a lot of wonders here and it's part of people's uh, daily protocol in. Um, you know, dealing with this current crisis. Absolutely. Well, we sure
1: appreciate you sharing that with us. That's Rocky Dauni, ladies and gentlemen. I want to thank you for joining us once again on Psychotic Bump School. Uh, you have a website and you got some things going on besides all this Goodwill Ambassador business that you're on. Yes.
6: <laughs> we actually um, I have a new video that is, we're just getting ready to release. Uh, uh, I think somewhere next week is uh, for... My song, Champion Arise, uh, which is the current single from the Beats of Zion album. So all those uh, who are listening, you can always find the Rocky is R-O-C-K-Y. And then the last name, Dauni, is spelled D-A-W-U-N-I. So Rocky Dauni, one word, or Rocky Dauni, if you Google me, you can find all my catalogs online. And then I'm also... Uh, planning to uh, release an EP, uh, which is uh, a project that I did over the course of uh, last year, and we're going to be releasing some songs from that project uh, as an EP uh, later uh, this
1: year. Well, that's our program, y'all. Psychotic Bump School is the place where education and entertainment meet at the intersection of funk and soul. My name is DJ Rome and I want to thank you for joining us this evening. Check back with us. We shall return next week. Also want to thank our very special guests for the evening, Mr. Philip Buido, Michael Black, Tamara Harrison, and of course my good brother Rocky Dauni. Also want to send a shout out to Frank Starks who is the iron man behind the board. And we're out of here, y'all. Take care. <laughs>